He's the, the lily of the valley. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my souls, one said. And um, so I appreciate that goodness. I think that um, um, the, uh, my opinion, the subject of this Bible is this man named Jesus. And many, many have longed uh, for that uh, salvation, uh, but many have known uh, that salvation was going to come uh, through uh, that God who should provide himself a lamb, right? A lamb. And um, so the, uh, I was thinking about this earlier. And uh, I had studied some. I was going to preach a couple of days ago, and I was going to maybe preach. I got about six or seven messages here. God won't let me preach. And uh, one of the things I was studying through was that first mention of salvation. And uh, the first mention of that word salvation is all the way back in Genesis chapter number 49. And um, the 12 tribes are being prophesied to and, tell, and told what all uh, should be coming. And there, I believe, is about verse number 18. Um, right when we're in the middle of, you know, he's just come through and dealt with Judah. Remember in that great verse, he said, The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And you know that word Shiloh, that word Shiloh means peace. Rest. And it's talking about there's a, there's a, uh, there is not when they should go to Shiloh, but when Shiloh comes to them. I believe that's what that verse is talking about. Because you know, the place Shiloh is where they came and first erected the tent, the tabernacle there. And then God destroyed, made it desolate. And it was moved, and it, when it came back, it ended up at Mount, um, Mount, um, Mount Zion. And uh, so they had uh, known of this place Shiloh uh, in the Bible is, is mentioned that place of peace. But here is basically what he's saying in those verses. He was talking about that when peace should come to you. And Jesus rules and reigns. And he goes down through there. That was about uh, verse number 10 and dealing with Judah. Of course, we know our Lord sprang forth from Judah, right? And so we know what he's dealing with there. And he comes down, the first mention you see of salvation is there, and I believe it's verse number 18, but it's on down uh, there right in the middle of it. Uh, I think between, uh, no, it's not Benjamin. Well, I, I can't think right now. My mind is all over the place. But it says right there in that verse, it said, I have waited for thy salvation, O Lord. And that's the first mention of salvation in the Old Testament, in the Bible. And, uh, and uh, of course, we know the, the, the principles of first mention and all that. And that's not uh, what I'm getting at. What I'm getting at is uh, uh, that even, even back then, all the way in Genesis chapter number 49, which we know is prophesied of him in chapter number 3. And so the Old Testament saints knew of a Messiah that should come. Because that's translated there, I have waited for thy salvation. That word salvation is Yeshua. Right? And so, what do we know? Uh, Yeshua is, that's Jesus. Right? right? And, I, and, and, and what it's showing there is all the way back in Genesis 49, he's saying, I, I believe that same Shiloh he just referenced, he's saying, I've waited for Jesus, O Lord. Yeah. And when he says, O Lord, he's talking, and that word is uh, Jehovah, self, self-existing one. And so he said, I have waited for thy salvation. And, and some Bible commentators say, you can actually say that means I have waited for Jesus, O Lord. 
How did he know about Shiloh that was going to come and to where all the gathering in of the people should be? To him. Well, I think um, these Old Testament saints knew that there was a Messiah that was going to come and they waited for him. Believe that. You believe that? The Bible said that Abraham had the gospel preached unto him. Didn't it say that? Believe he received Isaac above the altar and the figure believing God would raise him again from the dead. <laughs> this wonderful, blessed uh, portion of Scripture we're here in John chapter number 17. I believe it's pretty evident Shiloh has come. And he said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all to myself, under myself, all men under myself. And so if he, if he said out of Judah, should the scepter not depart, nor a lawgiver between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall a gathering of the people be, that sounds to me like that we are fulfilling, that the fulfillment of the Word of God written a long time before Jesus walked upon this earth. Here is Shiloh and the gathering of the people. He's drawing all men, even the Gentiles, unto himself. If I be lifted up. And so uh, I thought to myself earlier, I thought, well, I may not have the, a great outline like I like to have or something to keep my mind. But I'll tell you what we do have. We do have some verses in here of this Shiloh, this Jesus that you and I know, this Yeshua, this, uh, this, uh, this, this man of peace, this prince of peace, this king of kings who has come. And we're overhearing a, pr a conversational prayer between him and the Father. Now, I've overheard some conversational prayers, haven't you? I have overheard what I would call gossip prayers. Have you ever heard those? And I, I, you can't even, y'all know what I'm talking about. You ever been in a prayer meeting before and you come down and, call, and, and, and uh, everybody's come together for prayer meeting and they're, oh, help brother so-and-so who just committed adultery on his wife and forgive them and help them. And I'm thinking, man, what are you talking about? <laughs> this thing's over. Your gossip prayer just, that ain't nobody's business. And I've been a part of some, uh, some, uh, uh, some prayers that people have, I mean, goodness gracious, some real gossip sessions. Y'all ever heard them? And, uh, and I've overheard some conversations between people, people that thought that you, that, that you thought loved you and overhear them just tearing you down to somebody else. Everybody ever heard, overheard that? I'm usually sitting there thinking, boy, it's a lot worse than they're telling it. Right? And I've overheard some stuff, buddy. But here we have this shallow, this prince of peace, this king of kings and lord of lords, whose name shall be wonderful and counselor and this beautiful, this lily of the valley, this fairest of them ten thousands, the wheel out of the middle of the wheel, this, uh, uh, this seed out of dry ground, this David's lord and uh, 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 David's son, right? Same, same one. This, this, this man, we're overhearing this prayer, and it's the one of the most beautiful, most, most comforting uh, prayers, I think, and it's meant for you and I to overhear this prayer, right? And it's a comfort to me and you that we can draw from this, this great prayer. Now, I studied uh, most of the day. Uh, Brother Jones, I give it an honest effort to try to get Hebrews 6 done. 
and I just didn't get to it. So we're going to go back to John 17, and we're just going to finish our, uh, what we begun uh, earlier this morning. And just read uh, some, and I'll say a few things uh, about this great prayer that the Lord Jesus is offering, us, uh, offering up for us on our behalf. Now, this is just my speculation. You don't have to believe this. You're welcome to be wrong. But <laughs> I'm glad you don't laugh at that. Uh, but uh, uh, this is just my speculation. I personally don't believe um, that this was uh, a prayer that was necessary to be prayed in order to be effectual. In order to bring about what he was doing, I don't think he had to make this prayer. I believe this was a, a proclamation prayer. I believe this was a prayer that you and I could have and that we could lay hold of as an intimate, into the intimate uh, heart and mind of our blessed Savior. I believe that. You ever see in the Bible where the Bible said uh, that, that, that uh, it'll say in certain terms uh, um, that God fought in his heart? That's God revealing an intimate part of himself so that you would know something. Isn't that something? And I think this is the same kind of thing here. I think what we're seeing here is the same kind of uh, uh, thing being given uh, so that you and I would have some truths uh, um, uh, in ourselves to be able to lay hold of these things. And, and I'm getting on that Hebrews 6. I'll do my best not to go there, okay? If you'll pray for me, we won't get John 17 and Hebrews 6 and Genesis 49 and maybe won't go back to Gideon all in one night, okay? You pray for me. And so he starts out this prayer. We kind of touched on chapter number 16 and where we get to this uh, part of this prayer. And he said, these words uh, spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son that the, thy son also may glorify thee as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Surely there's no doubt in the mind of any honest person that Jesus is God. Right? Isn't that one of the charges they had against him? Uh, and he said, rise, take up that bed and walk. And they said, well, who can forgive sins uh, but God? And he said, well, which is easier for me to say? Thy sins be forgiven thee or take up that bed and walk? He's making the exact point. I can forgive sins because I am God. Right? Jesus is God. I don't care what anybody says about it. Right? Just believe the Bible. Just believe the Bible. And thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee and do the works of the law. If that says that in your Bible, you don't have a King James. Right? And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. That's the way to eternal life. And then verse number four, he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now he is going to the cross. He's going to say it is finished, but it's as good as done, is it not? It's as good as over with. The works that we've, uh, uh, we talk about that often, uh, you and I, the Bible says we're waiting for the adoption with, that is the redemption of our bodies. But uh, is there any doubt in anybody's mind that it's not going to be followed through with? I'm not waiting on it, hoping that it happens. I'm just waiting for it to be brought about because we're in time. It's as good as done. Do I look like I'm seated in heaven? No, I don't look like that. But it's as good as done. I am seated in the heavenlies, right? Because I'm in him and he's in me. So I'll explain that. I don't have to. Burden of proof's on you. No, it's on me. You're right. I'll get back to you on that. That's something, that's kind of like the Trinity. You know, I don't, I don't know how much you can explain all those things. We just know it's true. We just believe the Bible. 
And so he said unto here, I've glorified thee on the earth. And he certainly did, did he? Who can convince me of sin? Who, who can name one thing that Jesus did? The Bible said he went about doing good, right? There's nothing he didn't do. Uh, that, it never did one time did he ever do anything that would have not brought glory to the Father. Amen. You couldn't say one thing that he did. You couldn't charge him with one thing. You couldn't, you couldn't say uh, one, one thought that he had that was out of the way. There wasn't even anything in his mouth that he didn't do, but he thought about doing. That would have bring dishonor and not bring glory to the Father. That's what Christ did on your behalf. And that's how God sees you. Amen. Right? That'd be more exciting if we spent less time on TV, wouldn't it? Hey, if we didn't spend, if we, if we spent less time playing PlayStation and playing video games, Jesus would be a little more exciting. You know what's wrong with us? We're not too excited about it because we're caught up with the things of this life. That's what's wrong with most of us. And so uh, that's why it is so important that we get our mind back on these things. And so he said, now, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Man, doesn't God do us the same way? You know, you, you, you know what? If there's anything glorious about you, it's what God himself put in you. Is that not what he told Israel? You've taken my beauty and played the harlot with it. Only thing that you were and are that was good to anybody is what I was in you. Right? And look at what you've done with it. And so, uh, anyway, he said, now glorify me with thine own self. And uh, I finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And uh, glorify me now with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And then verse number six, he changes gears a little bit. And he talks about those that are with him. He said, I've manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now, I'm going to be honest with you something here, Brother Joe. I, I, I thought about this some today. I thought about this. I don't know if you had me say, after what I've read in these Gospels, if you had me say, what do you think about these disciples? Did they keep the word? I'd say, well, I don't know. I mean, please don't ask me that. Right? I don't know. I mean, I, I see a lot of failures in there, don't you? That was kind of, that's kind of my point with that thing with Gideon. I mean, uh, if you look at it, here's Jesus' testimony of those that were with him. They have kept thy word. Now, I believe what he really means in that is they believe on me. What are the works of God that we could do them? Believe on whom he sent. That's the work you can do. Right? And, uh, and you say, well, is, 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 is belief a work? <laughs> That's not what he's saying there, is it? No more than repentance is a work. And mind you, if repentance is a work, so is faith. Right? And so, so in context, that's not what he's saying there. Uh, but what he's saying is, if you, the, the work that needs to be done to please God, I'm going to do that. You just believe on me. That's what you need to do. And these men that thou owns, but you gave them to me, I've kept, and they've kept thy word. Man, that's a, that's a great testimony. I don't know if I would have said that about them. Can y'all remember some of the stuff they've been guilty of? Say, well, what are you trying to say? Well, I, I'm trying to say, uh, if you love Jesus, the Father loveth you also. You've kept the word. And say, well, I've not been perfect in it. Well, Paul wasn't perfect in it either, was he? And in fact, in those scriptures where the Bible said uh, that Jesus, I'm not saying that doesn't change the expectation, because I believe the expectation is to be perfect. I believe Hebrews pulled, pulled, pulls that out, and so does all the New Testament. 
But he, he, he brings out, even, even in, uh, when Jesus said, uh, those that don't bring forth any fruit, uh, but then he said, those that bring forth fruit, what does he do? He purges it that they might bring forth more fruit. Right? That they would go on unto perfection. That's some of the Hebrews coming back out again, chapter 6. But... Um, so anyway, what I'm trying to say here is, uh, is just in passing here because we dealt with that this morning. Quit discouraging yourself from doing anything for God because of something that you've done. Stop doing that. If it's under the blood and God's forgiven you, you may be limited again in certain situations. But I'm saying stop beating yourself down uh, and harder on yourself than God even is on you. You got to get over that. You got to come through that, uh, 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 and uh, and go on for the Lord. Here, I mean, look at the testimony that He's given. He said, "Thou gavest them me, and they have kept Thy word." And verse number seven, He says, "Now they have known all things whatsoever Thou hast given me are of Thee, for I have given unto them the words which Thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I come out from Thee, and they have believed that Thou didst sent me." Do you believe that? Say, well, I believe on Jesus. Do you believe Jesus is from God, that Jesus is verily God? That's who he is. Jesus is God. That's why he talked about that word in the beginning, before the world was. Because we know that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and for him. And was not anything made that was made. Right? Amen. Thank the Lord for Jesus. Jesus is God. And I just like saying that. I know we know that, but uh, there's a whole lot of people tonight that don't. Riding around on bicycles and uh, preaching and teaching a false gospel to a community full of people. Where I live now, I guess they won't be back. But I've had my run-ins with them. And uh, you don't believe anybody that tells you that Jesus was not God. He was God and is God and always shall be God. These three are one. And, uh, and that's important doctrines that we need to lay hold of and not forget. So they've known all things whatsoever they give me are of thee, for I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And they have received them and have known surely that I come out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Now, I don't think that that is saying there that Jesus never prayed for the world. Do you? When he went on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Were they of the world? I think here is what he's saying is, I'm praying a special prayer for my people. Don't you, don't you love those kind of prayers? Wouldn't you like to hear the prayer that he prayed when uh, he came to Peter and said, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. Now, we didn't get to hear that, but boy, I'd like to know what he said, wouldn't you? That intercessory prayer, man, I'd love to hear that kind of prayer. This is a special prayer that he's praying solely for people like me and you. Because he's even going to say, not to them only, but those that afterward believe on their words. This is, this is, I don't, oh boy, I wish I could get this out. This just stirs my soul up. That Jesus Christ, and I think maybe this is what some of that's talking about in Hebrews 6. I, can't, I promise I wouldn't go on there. But by two immutable things that he'd be willing to show the immutability of his counsel, by two immutable things, he confirmed it with an oath. I, I think uh, there's a piece of that. Now, I think it's the promise in the oath, but I think there's a piece of that, Brother Jones, that he's talking about. Not only would Messiah come, but he would be forever after the order of Melchizedek, forever being our high priest. So he is going to keep what he accomplished in your soul when he saved you. 
you'll never be unsaved. It would be impossible if you were to ever... Not going to go down that road. But isn't that stuff, isn't it wonderful how the Bible ties together? It's exciting. Are you excited about it? I'm excited about it. I love it. You know why I love it? And I believe if you're saved tonight, you love it for the same reason I do. Because that's what's inside of you. That's you. You, you, if you're saved, you are kept by the power of God, by this great high priest that ever liveth to make intercession for you. He is going to keep what he started in you. Isn't that wonderful? You get to thinking about these guys with these false doctrines. How do they come up with this stuff? Think about this. Think about this. Try, try to be a Calvinist and read that in there. When he talked about they have kept thy word. Why would that even matter? They have no responsibility in doing anything. Right? Wouldn't he say something like, I, I made them keep thy word because you chose them and they're special and everybody else is going to hell. And I elected them. You elected them and so I kept them. And I made them keep the word. They didn't do it. Sounded like they had some responsibility in it to receive his words, didn't they? Even in his own prayer. But anyway, now, uh, same goes to this stuff where you can lose your salvation. It's almost like you've got to believe that stuff and read it in there. But when you just read down through these scriptures, I mean, it's plain. It's hard to come up with that kind of doctrine, isn't it? You'd have to read somebody else's book to come up with that. And so he said unto them, uh, uh, in verse number 9, he said, I pray for them. I pray not for the whole world, but for them which thou gavest me, for they are thine. You think you're going through something, and uh, uh, you, you, you don't, if you don't think that I don't believe uh, for a second that Jesus Christ is praying for us when we're going through things, you're crazy. I believe he is. I believe he's making intercessions to the Father and even the Spirit. When we can't even come up with the words to say, he makes intercessions for us with groanings. Right? Man, God's got us set up. I sure don't deserve it, but I'm sure glad to be a part of it, aren't you? God's got us set up. And, 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 and he said, uh, uh, he said uh, unto them, they have kept thy word. And then he goes down through here and he said, I pray for them. And, uh, uh, and I'm going to tell you, if he ever lives to make intercession for you, I don't know any other way. I don't know any other way to interpret that verse. Intercession is intercession. I don't know any other way to interpret it or what is being said there other than Jesus. Just like when he said to Peter that you're, I prayed that your faith fail not. I believe that same kind of prayer is what when you're going through tribulation and you're going through trials, I believe there's a Savior in the heavens that makes intercessions for you. I believe that. He's your advocate, and, uh, but he's also your intercessor. Say, so, well, ain't nobody praying for me. Nobody even cares. I guarantee you there's one is. I forget a lot of times if I don't write it down. And there may be a lot of people that forget. The church may forget. But I'll tell you, Jesus is making intercession. I guarantee you he's faithful to pray for you. Does anybody else get tired of saying that? And, 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 and uh, you just wonder when people tell you they're praying for you, you think, are they really? But I don't think I've ever doubted that I don't have a Savior making intercessions for me. Isn't that wonderful to know? And who better to stand between you and God? <laughs> oh, me. All right, we got to move on here. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. Isn't that wonderful? You belong to the Father. You belong to God. And he said in verse number 10, all mine are thine. Well, then you, you also belong to Jesus. 
<laughs> Isn't that wonderful? How is that possible? Well, they'd both have to be one for that to be possible, wouldn't it? If mine are thine and thine are mine, sounds like they both got to be one. Amen. Man, I tell you what. And so he says unto them, he says, I and I am glorified in them. I can point to many times that, they, that I don't think he was glorified in them. Would you say that? Has there not been times in your life that you've done things where you certainly wouldn't glorify Jesus with what you were doing? Amen. I'd have to say a big old me. And so he said, well, how can I, how can I, how can I glorify God? Uh, um, uh, and, I, and I do believe in this. I, I mean, I do believe it, it shows to the world something for us to live holy and to live godly in this present evil world. But I'm going to tell you what will bring some glory to God. If you'll just get back to starting putting Jesus on the forefront of your conversations. Don't you think? We talk about all kinds of junk. Why don't we start talking about Jesus? Why don't we put Jesus out there to the world? Don't you think we talk about all kinds of stuff? It ain't helping nobody. I've had people talk to me about Joe Biden. You think that helped me? Do you think that helped my blood pressure? I'm just giving you a hard time. We talk about this stuff. I'm not. I'm just saying, man. You know what? I'm getting tired of this old world. We're getting, We're too caught up in this worldly mess. We need to get back to having Jesus on the forefront of our thoughts and our mind and our actions, but our words and proclaim to this world this man named Jesus, and that will bring some glory to the Father. I'm glorified in them. You want to glorify Jesus? Uh, so can I say, we better keep in mind, we're always representing him. You know what I think about all the time, brother? I tell these kids out here playing ball, don't you forget. They just asked me something the other day. I said, don't you forget who you're representing out there. I've come to the place, I really don't give a, um, a big hoot and holler if they win or lose. For the most part, my flesh does. I like to win. I'm not all this stuff where fourth, fifth, and sixth place, everybody gets a trophy. Fooey on that. Everybody didn't win. <laughs> But that's my flesh. Everybody's got a participation trophy. Even the little boys that want to be girls one day. It's just so sickening. You know, it's disgusting. There's a winner and a loser. And if you didn't play hard enough, you didn't win, you're just, guess, guess what? You're the loser. You know, that's just the way life is. But you know what I'm more, more, more concerned with? I'm more concerned with this one thing. I want to make sure that whatever you young people are doing, whatever I'm doing, whatever any of us are doing, that we remember who we're representing out there. I've been to, I've been to so-called Christian school basketball games, and I'd just soon gone to UT and watch a bunch of drunks sit around and holler at a UT football game. People cussing each other and everything. Yeah, that's pitiful. We're supposed to be Christians. I've seen people treat you better in public schools than some of this Christian mess. Come on now, don't die off on me. You know exactly what I'm talking about. I've seen parents have to be escorted out because they're cussing everybody and they're supposed to be Christians. Boy, they forgot who they were representing, didn't they? Let's remember when we go out in this world, you're not representing yourself. You're representing Jesus Christ. He bought and paid for you and he deserves to get some glory out of your life because your feet was not well slipped. You were going off into hell and God rescued you and brought you back into the Father's uh, 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 favor and he reconciled you to God uh, by the sacrifice of himself and he deserves to have some glory out of us. And shame on us for how we're living and how little time we spend with God. And then turn around and wonder why the churches are so dry. 
You know what's more shocking to me is not that we've gotten there, because I think all of us have gotten there to one degree or another, don't you? Some of us, as some of us say, maybe many times over our Christian life we've gotten cold or indifferent or whatever you want to call it. That doesn't shock me because I know what a man's made of. I know his flesh is just as vile as mine is. What's bothersome to me is that we don't even recognize. We're kind of like in Revelation. He said, you don't even realize that you're poor and naked and blind and needy. There's a lot of people you try to tell them and say, man, we need revival. We need to get back serious with God. And they'll fight you on it. They don't think nothing's wrong. <laughs> That's more concerning to me. Lord, don't let me get to the place where I'm blind and I don't even realize I need any help. That sounds like a lukewarm man to me, doesn't it? At least a cold man knows he's cold and he can, knows he needs to get hot. <laughs> right? A lukewarm man, he can't, he's indifferent to everything. Now, I'm not saying that's what the interpretation of that is, but uh, uh, it's a good thought. That's what's wrong with a lot of us. We don't even realize anything's wrong in our life. And boy, we need to get back to the place. Uh, and so, let, let me ask you this tonight. Be a good question for us. Are we bringing glory to Jesus? Is he, can He look at you and say, I am glorified in Him? You know what He told the Jews. Now, he's talking to Jews here, but I believe the same thing happens to me and you. He said, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Right? There is things that you're being guilty of that, that barbarians don't even do. That's what he said, basically. And I wonder sometimes if, 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 that's, if that's not the position that we get in. That we're not bringing any glory to God whatsoever. And, uh, all, and, and I'm as comforted and safe. And I, I love preaching these things uh, that even, uh, even though we, uh, we sin, we have an advocate with the Father and having that peace and having that assurance. But you and I got a responsibility. The responsibility is on us to bring glory to God. Amen. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. It didn't say he was going to do it. He told you to do it. I've given you my power. I live inside of you. And now you, how are you that are dead to sin should live any longer therein? How? Boy, that's, that's some hard preaching, isn't it? I mean, he lays it down on the line, buddy. Uh, makes, no, makes no excuses for anything or anybody. If we're saved, we ought to bring, be bringing glory to Jesus Christ. We ought to, he ought to get some glory out of us, don't you think? What about your life, Christian? Let me ask you that. If you're saved, you don't even have this possibility. But you can if you'll get in Jesus, right? But I'm talking to saved folks here tonight. Are we bringing glory to Jesus? I wonder, I wonder that sometimes. I, I wonder, is my life, uh, we sing that song, let my life be a light. I wonder if we really mean that. You know, in order for us to be alive, we're going to have to be different than the darkness that is in the world, aren't we? How can, there's no concord between the two. There's no fellowship. How should light and darkness, there's nothing in between. And, and, and if darkness, the absence of light and, and darkness flees from light, then, then how come the two look the same? How come, how come you look like the world looks? It should not be so, brethren, right? God forbid. That kind of preaching has helped me for a long time, and it's helping me tonight. You're thinking, boy, are you thinking about me, preacher? No, I'm not. I hope you do. I want to see you bring glory to God. But I'm thinking about me. My life needs to bring glory to God. 
I'm telling you, I don't care what position you are in the church. I know preachers, they can preach a great message, but you get them out in the world and they are no different than anybody else. I think a preacher ought to be different than everybody else, don't you? But all of us should be. All of us have been called up out of this world. And now we should, we should begin uh, to live this holy life. And I, I, I'm not talking about in certain degrees or certain matters. It's not uniform as a growth of a Christian and the things that you put off and the things God helps you to uh, uh, lay aside the weights and the sins that easily beset you. And though it happens progressively, that's not really God's answer is to help you with it a little bit over time. God's answer for the sin in your life is to crucify it. Lay it aside. The weights and sins that easily beset you. You know, I hear lost people in the world that cuss like you do. What makes you any different from a lost man if you're going to cuss and talk filthy like the world does? You ain't no light. You're fornicating like the world fornicates. You're not no light. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. That's between you and God. I don't know the difference what's going on in your heart, but this much I do know. You're not bringing any glory to Jesus living filthy. Right? How about some of those a lot of us uh, are guilty of we don't like to preach on much. What about harboring uh, harsh feelings uh, towards your brothers? And, and what about having, uh, 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 what about lying and cheating? And, and what, what about uh, uh, committing adultery? A man that looked upon a woman to lust after her. How you doing on that one? Right? right? Say, well, I've not followed through with it. Well, Jesus said, don't even look at it. Right? Lord, help us. How you doing? Say, well, this is mean. This is hurting my feelings. Good. Good. You've been grieving God for a long time. Am I not telling the truth? When we're in sin, we grieve the Holy Ghost of God. So if you're grieving, you know what the Holy Ghost feels like. Stop it. Is that fair to say? Now, I know that's a high expectation and even an expectation that I don't rise to a lot myself, but I'm not going to change this Bible. The Bible says, stop it. <laughs> not in those terms, but Jesus said, repent. You know what repent means? Stop it. And uh, uh, you know what? You can do it. You can do it. I, I'm telling you, I don't know why we hang our head in the sand and we, let, we, we uh, hang our heads down in the dust and we feel like we can't overcome sin. I'm going to tell you something. If you're saved, I'm telling you, you can lay aside the weights and sins in your life and you can bring some glory to God in your life if you want to. Amen. I believe that with everything in me. We can do it. We're not hopeless. We're not, we're not, uh, uh, we're, we're not tossed about uh, being pulled into all kinds of different directions by the lust of our flesh. We can resist the devil that he'll flee from us. We can walk in the spirit that we would not fulfill uh, the works of the flesh. We can bring forth fruit. We can, we can uh, have the fruit of the spirit now that we're saved. And I'm telling you, I don't know anything that would glorify God any more than his own fruit. Do you? How you doing on it? Hey, if we're going to have revival, we're going to have to deal with sin. Say, well, I'm doing pretty good. I don't drink and I don't run around. I don't do. There may be a whole lot of stuff you're not doing to him that knoweth to do good. To him, it is sin. Right? Right? We got to get serious about sin. We've made too many excuses for too long. 
You don't think something's wrong with us? You just go back. You go back to Brother Jones's time and these men, these old timers, and you see, you see how far we've come from the expectation in a church house. I mean, these these people that sing that sing specials and pre- hey, there's people that preach messages that have got run off from a church for doing the same thing 20, 30 years ago. We have dropped our standard. You know why? Because we've all fallen just a little degree in sin uh, to the degree that we become numb to it and kind of indifferent to it. And so when somebody else messes up, we can't, we can't do anything, let alone uh, help them because we're so laden with sins ourselves. You'll find yourself when you're guilty of so much, you'll get easy on sin. Right? And we've still got a responsibility to rebuke sin, don't we? Hey, if I get wrapped up in something and I get caught up in some kind of sin, you don't think, I know, I'm telling you, uh, 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 I, 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 any honest preacher wouldn't be able to preach against it. Amen. I got to keep myself clean so I can stand up here and preach against stuff. You think I'm going to get up here and preach against things I'm guilty of and God cast me away? Not on your life if I can help it. And the same thing, you know who I turned to out in this world when I was wanting to find the truth of the gospel? I didn't turn to some worldly Christian that said they were saved and never darkened the doors of a church hardly and had no fruit in their life and cussed and told dirty jokes. I went to him that was faithful to church and lived clean and holy and I asked him about God. Didn't you? We ain't bringing glory to God. We're not bringing glory to the Father anymore. In fact, most people you talk to, they're not even concerned about that. They're not concerned about bringing glory to Jesus. What they're concerned with is themselves. We're concerned whether we're happy. We're concerned whether we fit, whether how, how we're socially accepted, how popular we are, how much money we have. We're, we're concerned with a whole lot of stuff. And bringing glory to the Father certainly doesn't seem to be one of them dominating our churches anymore, does it? Anybody's feelings hurt? Don't you raise your hand, Brother Nathan. I don't care if you're mad in any way. Hey, this is good preaching, isn't it? That's good. That'll help you. I don't mean because I'm doing it. I just mean, I'm telling you, it helps to, to, to expose some things in our life and help us to awaken to the reality of how sinful our condition really is at times. Because a lot of times we are easy and soft on ourselves and we think uh, we make excuses for it and we do all this stuff. And I'm telling you, God is not pleased and he's not happy with how we're carrying on our lives. And... Uh, uh, he said, I'm glorified in them. So uh, how, do you, how do you want to bring glory uh, to the Lord? Uh, we're going to have to uh, get serious. Are you, let me ask you this. Are you concerned about glorifying him? Are you concerned that you're not bringing any glory to the Father? Does that concern you? I think some people... Uh, maybe to a degree they are concerned by that and it causes them to question uh, what, what steps that they, can they take to get there. But I believe there's a whole lot of people, they're not even concerned about it. They, they, they've made some uh, little old one, two, three, repeat after me and they could care less whether they bring glory to God or not. They just don't want to go to hell over it. And I'm going to tell you something. We ought to be concerned with bringing glory to our Father. And we ought to be concerned when we're not concerned about it. I think that would answer a whole lot of problems in Baptist churches if everybody was more concerned about bringing glory to the Father and not to themselves. Don't you? 
You know what? You'll come to a place where you'll say, I don't have to be. I don't, you know what? I, I don't know why we're so, we come in church and we, uh, and, and I don't see a lot of that here, but I've seen it before. And I've seen a lot of people when they come in church and say, well, they didn't shake my hand. Well, who do you think you are that anybody deserves to shake your hand? Can we be real here for a minute? Now, y'all know I, I, I'm not trying to be mean and ugly, but I'm going to be honest about something. Don't none of us deserve to walk through them doors back there. And I certainly am not worthy of your handshake. I, I kind of feel like Paul often. I'm the least of all saints. Doesn't mean I ain't never got mad over it. But you know what that is? It's just pride and self, isn't it? How many hands did you take off and shake? I've heard this one man in particular. He's been attacked so much. That man didn't say one thing to me. I went in there. I know a lady visited our church not long ago. And she came in and she said, I won't ever come back. Nobody spake to me, even that preacher. I don't mean to be ugly, Brother A, but that's pitiful. You think so much about yourself that you deserve to walk in. What do you want us to do? Roll the red carpet out for you? You're lucky you ain't in hell. I'm not, I, honest to goodness, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to be real. We are nothing. And if it weren't for God, ain't none of us worthy to even lift our heads up in here, let alone me stand up here and preach to you like I am. <laughs> we ought to just thank God that God lets us come in here at all. Well, he didn't call on me to do so and so. You ought to just thank God God let you in here to even hear Bible preaching. You ought to thank God he let you wake up this morning and even have the breath you got in your lungs. That'll help you some. See, if you just come in here and say, God, help me to bring some glory to you, not get glory to myself. And that's what a lot of people do. And they go into churches and they're worried about their self and they're wanting glory to themselves as opposed to God, make me a blessing, help me to glorify you and help me to be a help to somebody else. Boy, we're proud. And now, boy, I'm going, we, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I am come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. I'm going to read through these because I've done my, give up my time. I preached too long this morning. I'm going to read through this. I hate to skip through these verses. They're so beautiful and wonderful. But uh, I want to get down just to the very end here quickly. So I'm going to just read uh, kind of quick. You follow along with me now. And so he said in verse 12, when I, was with the, when I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me have I kept, and none of them is lost with the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee. Hey, he's not going to lose any more either. Amen. Yes. He lost none that the Father gave him. And guess what? He's not going to lose anybody else that believes on their word after this. That's what the Bible said. That's who he's talking and praying for, isn't it? And if he didn't lose them, he's not going to lose you. Amen. You're secure in the Jesus. Now, he said, uh, and none of them is lost, but the, uh, the scripture might be fulfilled. And that's the only reason he was lost in, in that sin. And now come out to thee, and these things speak out in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. You see, hey, have you ever wondered why in the world that people hate Jews as bad as they do? It blows my mind. What has, what has that little old nation over there, people, done to anybody? 
Is my knowledge they've gotten the more more Nobel Peace Prizes than any other nation. They they are just filled with people uh, that uh, uh, that come up with all kinds of uh, new inventions and and add a benefit to the world and and uh, I don't know anything uh, that that you could uh, but but God uh, 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 told them uh, just as much as us they're not of the world they're a different people. And he said, I'm going to make you a burden to the nations that are around you. It's part of a curse he put on them, if you want to call it a curse. But you and me, we have to remember, too, that the world is not going to receive it. Have you ever wondered, why do liberals hate God so bad? Why do they hate me so bad? Because they hate God so bad, right? Don't make no mistake about it. They will not compromise with you. They hate you. And they hate your God and they hate your Bible and they hate everything you stand for. And if they could get by with it, they do to you what they did to them Jews. Don't make, I'm telling you, don't you doubt it for a minute. And uh, the most hate-filled, violent, most most, uh, divided and really racist people that I know are are liberals and leftists. They hate God. And you're not of the world and they're going to hate you. The same thing happened to them. And I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. What a great verse. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Boy, I hate to skip through them verses. (laughs) But we need to stop tonight. And verse number 20, now he turns gear to the next He's going to deal more as a collective whole here. Neither I, I pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. You know why so many could testify to the fact that he and his father were one? Because they were in perfect concord together, perfect fellowship. You know how the world knows uh, that we're of him? Uh, and, uh, and I struggle to a degree uh, where he's talking about collectively, uh, just in the sense of I want all of them collectively to be in one body in us. But uh, uh, Or is he talking about that they may be one in unity? And I'm going to just say, so I'm not saying uh, specifically that that's what this is saying, but this is what's on my heart. This much I do know because we have other scriptures for it. God wants us to be one, doesn't he? Amen. Yes. And we'll not make a lot of headway when you've got all kinds of schisms in the body and divisions. Right? right. right. We've got to be at unity. We've got to be one with one another. And, and, and so if Jesus was in fellowship with his father and these two were one and, uh, and you can know that I am in me and thou in me and those things about him being one with the father, uh, uh, being in, uh, in that perfect union together, uh, the folks should say that about us. We should be of one mind and one accord and at peace among ourselves, shouldn't we? That's the expectation of the Bible. And... Uh, you know, it don't, matter, it don't matter how many times you preach that. And people say, well, you've said that before. Well, maybe if you'd get it right, I'd quit having to preach on it. You ever think about that? Maybe if you'd quit ignoring it, but everybody else knows it. And if you'd quit ignoring it and get it right, maybe we could go on and preach something else. It didn't cost you nothing extra. 
But I'm serious. Those are serious sins. You can point fingers at all these people doing all this other stuff, all, all that you want to. Uh, but uh, I'm going to tell you who's just as guilty tonight as those people out there that you're pointing to is you when you've got divisions and you've got all against people and you've got it harbored up in your heart and you won't deal with it. Why don't we just believe the Bible? Why don't, you know how easy it would be? I don't know any Christian, any real Christian now. I don't know anybody hardly that really knows God and is, is, is at least walking with God in any manner. And then backslid as a go. That if you went up to them and said, look, I want you to know something about me. I've been upset with you over something and I want you to forgive me. I've been mad at you over this thing and I'm going to let it go here today. And I want you to forgive me for being upset with you. I, I don't know anybody that would say, forget it. Well, if they did, let them go on because they're going to meet God with it. And uh, so I don't know what we're so worried about. Well, I don't want to admit that, I, that I'm mad at them. Listen, if you can't get over it, I want to implore you one more time just to be faithful to the Word of God. I want to implore you to please get that thing right. Please go to them. You're going to get bitter over that thing, and you don't realize how many people you're going to defile when you harbor that in your heart. Because it, you can't leave it alone, you can't let it die, and you'll just keep on talking about it, and you'll tell this one, this one will be teamed up, and that one get that one on your table. It'll just go, I mean, it'll defile so many people. Now look, some people, you've done all you can, you've reached out and tried to make it right, and they won't do it. That, the burden's all for you, in my opinion. Amen. You've done all you can do, don't you think, brother? You've done all you can do, and you give it your best effort. But uh, I'm talking about those situations that we know that are in there and we're not, we're, we're, we give it the good college try and we said, look, I'm just not even going to deal with it. I'm just going to pray about it and I'm just going to get over it. Can I say something? If you haven't gotten over it, you need to confront that thing and deal with it. I have seen too much grow in somebody's heart with them thinking, look, I'm just not going to deal with it. And that thing grow and fester up and absolutely destroy them as a Christian. Amen. It's not going to destroy them. It's going to destroy you, right? Yeah. That thing's a cancer. And so get that thing out and deal with it. Just get it out on the table. I can't deal with things like can you. I don't know how you lay your head down at night having something with somebody. I, I make myself look foolish all the time because I'll call somebody and when nothing even exists and I'll say, are you sure nothing's wrong with you? And so you shouldn't be like that to that degree. But I am saying this much. If you've got something in your heart or you've done something and you know somebody else got something against you, do all you can to make that thing right. We're running out of time. Don't meet Jesus with it. In fact, the Bible said, don't let the sun go down. Right? So well, it's already been uh, a couple days. You've already gone a couple days too long. You better get with it. Are we okay? And you'll find, and you'll find, well, I don't, I've seen people, I don't want to deal with things. It'll be so ugly. I'm telling you, it'll be a lot uglier if you don't than it will be if you just get it out there in the open now. Has anybody know what I'm talking about? And that thing, when it grows for two years, you talk about getting ugly. It'll get ugly, all right. But if you'll catch that thing early and just go ahead and deal with it as soon as you possibly can, I'm telling you, don't be afraid. You just deal with that thing as God told Be faithful to the Word of God as one man. Who used to say this all the time? Uh, uh, was it Brother, uh, oh, I, I can't remember. I'm sure a lot of preachers. But if you stand uh, on the Word of God, the God of the Word will stand by you. So just stand on the Word of God. Wouldn't you like, don't you like coming to church and laying your head down at night and operating in life, uh, just being, uh, 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 having a conscience? Here's what Paul said. Having a conscience void of offense towards God and men. Isn't that wonderful to lay down and sleep at night like that? As far as I know, I, until, until this message tonight, I didn't have nobody mad at me. Now Brother Reed's mad. You can't make him mad. 
And uh, so uh, uh, it's just a wonderful peace. I'm telling you, it's peaceful to just know you've done all that you can. They may not even forgive you. And that thing, I'm telling you, that hurts too. And, and some of you have been through that. You've tried and they wouldn't forgive you. But you can be at peace at least to lay down at night and say, look, I've done all that I can do, Lord. And you know what? I, 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 I tell you what you can do. You can even go to bed praying for them. Yeah. Say, Lord, forgive them. Maybe what I did was hurtful, and I'm sorry they took me the wrong way. And Lord, just forgive them. Help them to understand that I really do love them. Man, you start praying for them. It's, a whole, it's real hard to hate people when you start praying for them. This is what Jesus is wanting for us. And uh, um, uh, not only for us to be one as He and the Father are one, and He wants us to be one in Him, but I think only naturally, if we're all one in Him, wouldn't we all be one with one another? Wouldn't that be fair to say? So he wants that kind of union uh, amongst the brethren. And so that's the prayer of our Savior. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that something? I mean, he's sitting here praying this, and he wants us to be at peace among ourselves, and he wants us to be at one as him and his Father are one. There was no tension between him and the Father. There was no disagreements. There was, no, there was nothing between him and God. You know, we sing that song, uh, that, that uh, there would be nothing between me and the Father. Uh, there was nothing between God and the Son and the Father. Perfect unity as they had had before the world was. And that's the way God wants us to be among ourselves. And I think sometimes, you know what we do? We'll get in messages like this, and we'll hear that kind of preaching, and I don't know what happens, but we're forgetful hearers, and we're deceiving ourselves. We'll walk out of services like this. We won't deal with it here. We won't deal with it tonight. When we get home, we'll just, if we can just get out of here and I'll just let that thing go. And you go home and it'll fester just like I said it would. And then you're going to make me have to deal with it one day. That's what you'll do. Am I telling it right, Brother Jones? You let that thing fester and build up, it'll cause a big problem. I'd like to head it off now, wouldn't you? Then you can keep me out of it. See, you don't even have to come tell me about it. Isn't that beautiful in the Word of God? If you get mad at Cody... And there's a lot to get mad at. He is sorry. <laughs> you don't even have to tell me about it. Even, even young people. You listen to me. If you're saved, you're a young person in here. If you're saved, you've got God in you. I'm telling you, you, you have just as much responsibility to be at peace among yourselves as we do among ourselves, don't we? And if you get mad at him and uh, uh, you go straight to him, you don't have to come to me. Right? Right? You can go right to him, two Christian brother. You saved? Are you saved? Well, based on your profession, you're expected to live by this Bible. And if you get mad at him, you better he better be the first one to know it. Not him, not me, right? And I'm just using them as an example because they they don't as far as I know, they don't have anything. I'm just He said, I do. See? Well now you can deal with it. <laughs> he gets a smart mouth from somebody else. It wasn't me. Well, let's go home tonight. I appreciate you tonight. And the glory which thou gavest me, and Brother Jones preached this, and if you don't have that message, I'll, I'll get it to you. Um, he's preached it here and other places, but just a wonderful verse. Uh, you should chew on that some more. And the glory which thou gavest me, I've given them, that they may be one even as we are one. That's a, boy, that's a beautiful verse, isn't it, Dr. Jones? I and them, and thou and me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom thou hast given me, be with me where I am. Hallelujah. 
that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. That's beautiful language, isn't it? That just stirs my heart. So you think about that. There's just a couple of things as Brother Reed comes and I'd just like to mention. I've heard uh, people make this testimony before. They've had a family member that's prayed for them to get saved and, and things. And they'll make a testimony and they'll say, you know, that, that loved one that prayed for me passed away. But I wish they could see their prayers were fulfilled. And can I just say something? Here's Jesus Christ himself making prayers. And one of the things he wants in that prayer, he wants, uh, uh, he wants us to glorify him and, uh, and he wants us to be one with one another. I believe that's in that prayer right there at the end. So I can't think of anything greater to do than for me and you to be at peace among ourselves and to do anything we can do to clear that out. And then anything we can do to bring glory to the Father. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the message tonight. Thank you for the Word of God. Pray you take much that's been given out uh, this morning and tonight and it may, it may find lodging place in the heart of someone here that may need that and I pray for especially anyone that may be lost tonight that they would uh, hear from heaven that they would see Jesus but mostly Lord those of us that are saved help us to do all we can Lord to bring glory to your holy name and Lord if we have anything in our hearts against one another help us to please forgive it and get it right, Lord, because you deserve for us to be at peace among ourselves, that we be one as you and the Father are. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you bow your head, just stay. Uh, well, stand up. You've been singing for a moment. Stand up. If you would bow your head just a moment, close your eyes. Brother Reed's going to sing one verse. 116. 